Hello and welcome to the Kryptonite Podcast. I'm Mark Storrs and with me as always is... I'm Chris. And... Rob Morphy. Thank you all so very much for joining us. All right, uh, so this week we were talking about... Oh, Ed, before we get started, let's just put this out there. This is a two-part episode. Yes, it is. Yeah, this is like our second two-part episode. I think the first one was Annabelle. Yep. Yep. And uh, yes, but this week we're doing a two-parter, so we're going to get started with the Cowman of Copalis Beach. And we did not work really hard for a prolonged time trying to figure out how to pronounce that name. Except we totally did. Yeah. Yeah, no, we completely did. Make, make it obvious how you say the, it's, the yeah. damn word. It's probably still going to be wrong, but it's okay. Could yeah. be. What are you do? I'm still secretly harboring Copolis, but Copalis seems works. to be the way to go. Totally. Now, I have to add a further disclaimer. I got all excited when I uh, read this this name, and I thought, oh, goddamn, a sweet cowman. But unlike the Bozak humanoid, which we all dealt with uh, some pods ago, and that yeah. like, weird interaction you had with a farmer, um, this is not a cow-human hybrid. Okay. I want to forewarn our audience, this is, in fact, one of the, maybe the very first time, we are going to be dealing with a hairy hominid, a Sasquatch, a Sasquatch-like creature all right. that... Uh, that it does some really shady shit. So I just want to make it clear. Anyone getting all hopped up for like some bovine humanoid antics. Right. This not is not how we go. There right. was a comment I discovered in Dorchester, mm. but that's really hard to find information on. Boston? So if any anyone uh I don't even remember. Isn't Dorchester? Is it near Maryland? Isn't Boston? Dorchester in Boston? It's on the East Coast. All right. But if anyone knows about that cow man, please email us. This cow man, however, is another breed altogether. All right, let's get started with, in the mid-1960s, a family of four living in an isolated and densely forested stretch of the Pacific Northwest had a series of terrifying encounters with a massive man-like beast that seemed to be disturbingly focused on their children, in particular their four-year-old son, leading to an all-out assault and attempted abduction that would leave the young family reeling in horror. Not able to catch Reeling. their balance due to fear. There you yeah. Go. Yep. Just a few years before Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin captured the most famous home movie, The Side of the Zapruder Film, and nearly a decade before the $6 million man helped make Bigfoot a household name, a young family living in the coastal community of Copalis Beach would have what some say is the most distressing sequence of confrontations ever recorded with an as yet unclassified Sasquatch-like critter. Oh. Mm. A big old Bigfoot. All right. The foreman of a recovery team known only as John had been assigned by his boss, Mr. Baker, the owner of a large roofing mill in Aberdeen, to lead multiple crews to Washington State's Grays Harbor County, where their parent company had permits to cut and salvage fallen old-growth cedar that had been left behind following a logging a logging operation. So, um, as you guys probably know, like, with all the logging that went on, you know, this is this is back in the mid-'60s when this happened. Right. Um, but with all the logging operations throughout the, you know, 19th and 20th century, a lot of times some of the best hunks of wood would just get left behind if they weren't easy to transport or they didn't have, like, efficient use in lumber mills. Yeah. They would just be left to lie fallow and rot and clutter things up. So these salvage teams would come in and basically turn this, you know, refuse into profit. Just a little lumberjack side note. All right. You know what? One to grow on. The more you know. Indeed. Life of a lumberjack. Indeed. Dubadilly. The primary work site 
would be a thickly wooded area around Copalis Beach, where John and several of his workers had moved their families for the duration of the job, though perhaps with an eye for settling down if the region proved fertile enough to keep the men at work. So they're all settled in the same area where they're basically working. Which yeah, is, you're the lumberjack life in it. You're moving around. You're going to where the wood is. And, you got to get cut down. You're just miles away from yeah. the Pacific coast and like central deal. western yeah. Washington. Besides the fucking rain, but it ain't bad. Sure, but I mean, you can live with Whatever. that. Whatever, yeah. It's probably beautiful. Be a traveling sewer man one day. Right on. John, for his part, was a sturdily built fellow who was known as being bright, down-to-earth, and a hard worker. He was not, by all accounts, a man who was prone to flights of fancy or telling tall tales, and he had neither the time nor the inclination to deal with the vagaries of the unknown. Oh, the vagaries the, the, or vagaries? Vagaries. vagaries. No vagaries? If you wanted to, like if you want, do you want it to be the vagaries? Do you want to just cut out the, <laughs> the middleman? Vagaries of the unknown. Oh, yes, man. absolutely. It's a cool band. <laughs> in fact, the owner of the Aberdeen Mill felt John was so reliable that he had no problem entrusting him with not only the safety of his crews but thousands of dollars of vehicles and equipment. It was this implicit trust that came into play when John entered his boss's office several hours late one Monday morning in mid-July. Snap. Mm-hmm. Baker was shocked by his foreman's uncharacteristic tardiness. He knew that John was usually the first man on site making sure the trucks and equipment were prepped for the day's workload. The boss also noted that this usually unflappable crew chief seemed visibly shaken. Oh, man, this is not the guy you want shaken. No. This is not the unflappable crew, crew chief. Yeah. He's unflappable. Yeah, exactly. This is your... But this, you know what he is now? Flappable. Is utterly flapped. No, no. Yeah. The Completely super flapped crew flapped. chief. <laughs> <laughs> Mega flapped. Oh, my God. That's too much. <laughs> Concerned, he asked John what was bothering him. The foreman surreptitiously glanced around to make sure no one was listening, then requested they continue the conversation in the privacy of the owner's office so as to avoid prying ears. Circle of trust. Mm-hmm. That's what you guys are now, my circle of trust. That's, that's how we do it. There it is. <laughs> Once inside the sealed room, the men sat down in silence. The anxious logger then made eye contact with his employer and stated simply, something destroyed our house this weekend. Not catching the implication of the first word, the stunned baker asked John if the damage had been done by someone he knew. John simply shook his head and patiently explained, You don't understand. This wasn't a person. It was a... I don't know what it was. But it completely trashed the house. The family is going to stay with my brother and Elma for a while. Which, Oh, man. man. When the family has to stay out of the house, you yeah, know that's shit's good. going. It's a flood, a fire. Right. A fig butt. Fig butt. I was just trying to go with three Fs. That's the only way I can do it. <laughs> it's a fig butt. Perplexed yet genuinely worried about his employee's welfare, the owner asked him to explain exactly what had happened. It's hard to imagine that John wasn't at least a little tentative about divulging the experiences that he and his family had endured over the course of the past three days. But he knew his boss to be a man of integrity and so began relating to him a story of unmitigated horror that neither man would ever be able to forget. Oh, no mitigating the horror, Robert. You can't, when, when Unforgettable you can horror. The horror. You know what? That's... That's something that's palatable. The house is yeah. trashed and the horror cannot be mitigated. <clears throat> no. All right. According to John, when he arrived home from work on the previous Friday, his youngest son, four-year-old Tim, rushed to him and breathlessly began to tell his dad about the huge, quote-unquote, cow man he had seen moving through the field next to their summer home. 
Confused, John thought he was trying to say cowboy and asked Tim if he meant that he'd seen a neighbor wearing a cowboy hat. But his son was adamant that it was not a man, but something else altogether, insisting, No, Daddy, he was a cowman, furry and stinky like the cows. Get a fucking right. zoology book and yeah, read no. it, you old bastard. Yeah. It's a cowman. All right. The stinky... Harvey Cowman. <laughs> it's me, Harvey Cowman. Uh, stinky old Cowman. Cowman, 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 and, and Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Call 1-800-1333. <laughs> Oh, my God. Best firm ever. John asked his unfortunately unnamed wife if she knew what he was going on about, and she said Tim had been playing on the porch that afternoon when he suddenly came running in shouting with excitement that a cowman was stuck on the fence. Curiosity peaked. She followed her son to the front door, but the moment she opened it, she was hit by a horrible smell, which she compared to a wet dog rolling around in rancid garbage. Oh, that sounds like mm. Mark's ass when he comes over. <laughs> All right, it's not that bad. I haven't farted uh, in your apartment today. Yeah, <laughs> we always play. Tim, evidently unfazed by the god awful stench, began pointing across the field adjacent to their house, yelling, "He got loose." His mother looked toward where he was motioning and could see that the top strand of the uncoiled barbed wire was vibrating up and down, as if it had been yanked hard and quickly released. But she could see neither hide nor hair of the thing that had so riled Tim up. Despite the absence of the creature in question, the mother of two felt a sudden surge of anxiety flow through her and insisted that Tim play inside and under her watchful eye for the remainder of the day. That's good, just good mom. Yeah, the watchful go. eye. That's a solid good mom parenting. move. Yeah. She was also concerned by the fact that her older son, John Jr., or as we have dubbed him for the sake of convenience and brevity, JJ, nice. who was 12 years old at the time, was still at a nearby friend's house and was due to walk home at any time. Her protective maternal instincts would prove to be dead on, as she would discover a short time later when a panting, wild-eyed JJ burst through the front door claiming that somebody had followed him home. Uh oh Oh, I bet I know who it was. Uh-huh. Harvey's at it again fucking well when asked who it may have been he claimed that whoever it was had been pacing him stomping through the woods off the right side of the road and hidden just beyond his line of sight JJ concluded that whoever was tracking him from the tree line must have been huge because he could hear sounds of heavy footsteps and large deadfall cracking underfoot When he finally made it to the edge of his driveway, which is where the woods met the field where his little brother had spied the alleged cowman, J.J. paused and tried to finally get a look at his shadowy stalker. But the moment he stopped, the walker in the woods stopped too. Oh, proof. Eyeballing. Yeah, dead (laughs) up proof. Evidence. So far, this could be any number of fuck-sucking Bigfoot shows where every snap, crackle, and pop is... Dead up proof. No, because we have to be out like in the field with like infrared and doing like hoots oh, and scre- Oh, screams. Squat- yeah, squatching. You got to be squatching. And, and, and gifts. We got to give them squatch gifts. Like, this Here, was... Here's an old Xbox. I don't need <laughs> Oh, that's right. You have to yell gift in four directions. Of, gift! Of, 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 <laughs> here's of a Betamax. It was a lot better than VHS, so <laughs> you're welcome. That's right. There's a bunch of fucking graphic novels. I can't sell it. Every goddamn garage sale I have discs. Goddamn <laughs> laser discs. They were the best format. Poor, of their time. Poor Bigfoot must You just got to find the right gift. That's the deal. Yeah, Could you imagine really. Bigfoot just collecting apples and laser discs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they probably only look one thing and it's just something you never think of. Thanks for the Apple G4 tower, guys. I really appreciate it. Like, wrong apple. Wrong. Yeah, wrong. Total wrong there apple. Wrong apple. 
Somehow, the silence was even more terrifying than the branch-crunching pursuit, and J.J. made a mad dash for his house. Not long after his father arrived home and heard of Tim's sighting, J.J. regaled his father about the sounds that had followed him and asked if they could go into the woods to see if they could find any trace of his mysterious pursuer. Realizing that his eldest son had been truly shaken up by the event, and likely hoping to remove any stigma that might thereafter be associated with the woods that surrounded their home, John strapped on his 357 Magnum, and he and JJ went out to have a look around. All right. 357 Solid. Magnum. Good yeah. mid-60s dad That's business. Going into the woods with, with your 357 Magnum. Gotta calm the boy. You He's only 12 after all. I got my gun. Calm down. Old Pump enough to kill. Too, too young to love. Pump, Pump your brakes. <laughs> We're going to the woods. It was almost 8 p.m. Although the summer sun still shimmered on the horizon, John knew full well that it would not be long before they'd burn through the remaining daylight, and he was none too eager to be caught out in the dark with his 12-year-old son and what he at the time assumed was a potentially dangerous vagrant who might be casing his house for a nighttime robbery. Talking about a hobo with some buck reflectors on sticks? Yeah. We're talking the the old school danger hobo. the danger hobo. He knows what he's dealing with. Yeah. Fucking little Timmy saw a hobo in a cowboy hat (laughs) messing with the fence. (laughs) Howdy, y'all. And now JJ's getting stalked by said self-styled cowboy hobo. All right. And he's not having any of it. It's good. Smart dad move. Absolutely. The first area the pair scoped out was the field that separated their home from the gloomy forest. The barbed wire-topped fence cut through the field, leaving a stretch of about 10 feet of grass between it and the woods beyond. So at this point, I'm going to pause for a second because I don't know for sure. This account, and I'm going to give credit for it, is passed on from a single source who had heard the story. Um, and, And so I had a really hard time envisioning it, but this is pretty much what I've parsed out. So we're in... Copalis Beach. Mm-hmm. It's a really wooded area not far from the ocean established. So in my mind, there's a house with a yard. There's a little fence surrounding the yard with a gate. Okay. There is a larger field that then separates the woods, right, which from, are, say, way over on the left yeah. from the yard that the house is in. Okay. But in the middle of this field, not in the middle, about three quarters of the way through this field towards the woods is that larger fence with the barbed wire top. Right. And that's built about 10 feet away from the woods. So think of it this way. Woods, strip of 10 feet of grass, big barbed wire fence with a hole in it, a larger hunk of pasture, normal-sized yard house. So this will help you kind of envision, because understanding this real estate a little bit is going to be kind of essential in understanding what's about to transpire. Okay. John then checked the site where Tim had seen the cowman caught on the fence, and to his shock, he found a foot long clump of coarse stringy reddish brown hair entangled in the upper strands of the wire john tried to pull it off but found it to be so enmeshed in the barbed wire that he had to use his buck knife to cut it free Hmm. he noticed that there seemed to be hunks of flesh attached to the heavy hairs but this being from an era long before the viability of dna testing it's likely that john gave no particular importance to the presence of blood or skin samples but what did strike him was the fact that whatever it was, it must have been truly colossal to manage to catch itself that high on the fence. John handed the bloody mess of follicles to JJ, and they climbed through the hole in the fence and walked towards the woods. At this point, they've gone through the pasture, they're going through the barbed wire fence, and now they're 10 feet away from the With woods. a big yeah. clump of bloody yeah. shit on a fence. Right, exactly. The buck knife. John scanned the ground for any sign of tracks, human or animal, but there were none to be found. 
With the sun sinking lower, John and JJ stepped into a small game trail that opened like a leafy portal into the otherwise impenetrable and shadow-shrouded forest. The deeper they got, the darker it became. It's likely that JJ was comforted not only by the presence of his father, but also his 357. Still, as they probed ever deeper into the woods, it's hard to believe that both were not frightened when they were confronted by the uniquely repugnant scent of rotten trash and moist canine. Oh, wet dog and hot trash <laughs> oh, coming this year. God. That's a smell. That it, oh. That's an ooh to fuck If you've ever it. worked or been to like a landfill, oh, I know yeah, this yeah. is one of our another big... I've, de- I've this, been to uh, the landfill plenty topic of times. discussion, yeah. dumps yeah. and landfills. Dumps. I'm kind of thinking it smells like that, where just that organic, rotten, wet, moist, yeah. dump in August. Yeah, it's general. hot, sweet. Yeah, yeah. but like, like sweet nausea yeah, inducing yeah. instantly. Yeah. yeah. And also, too, pro tip: if you do get it on your boots and/or your truck, guess what? You're gonna stink for quite a oh, while. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> pro yeah. tip. <laughs> pro tip: just in case you're ever the dump, playing around. That's the thing. Have a too. change of boots. I mean, skunk apes are notorious, obvious, right. as their numb plume suggests, for being stinky. And it would make sense if you're living in a swamp that is just a yeah. stagnant, nasty hunk of water. You're going to be There's nothing worse than hot, swamp, algae ridden, oh. like. Yeah, it's gross. Bio crap. Like, I used to spend a lot of time wandering through swamps looking for salamanders and doing stuff. Even into my teen years, I think I had like amateur herpetology dreams or whatever but uh but sometimes that shit <laughs> yeah. would sting it's like terrible now, we have polluted water around here too but like you'd have to scrub this algae and stuff off and not only would it be really hard but it would burn your skin a little yeah. it was just fucked up yeah, it's probably eating your body Gets yeah. in your flesh eating bacteria yeah, yeah way to go, go. causing yeah. trouble left yeah. and right no there one knew is. about it then no. it was See? the 80s it was no. an innocent it was a, time you didn't know time. until you were dead yeah <laughs> Wow. And then rose again in the swamp. Please. No, you didn't let me finish. And that's why <laughs> you don't go crabbing in the Love Canal. Don't get crabs in the Love Canal. Don't do it. Don't do it. Bad scene. Double entendre. Worse still, the hair on the back of John's neck shot up as he was suddenly overcome by the acute sensation that they were being watched. That's a terrible feeling. Because yeah, my first that. instinct is invariably not to trust it. Like, I'm not a fucking psychic. It's ridiculous. Why do I think, oh my God, there's somebody looking at me? Well, and yeah, then it always turns out that way. Like, so I'm always thinking, did I catch him out of the corner of my eye? Is it like this combination of uh, sensory procedures that just are on a subconscious level that I can't quite figure the fuck out? Right. Because I don't want to think it's magic, but in the end, I'm always like, oh, it's fucking magic. I like how your first reaction is, first of all, I am not a psychic. Uh, yeah. I like <laughs> this is first, ridiculous. This is, I am not psychic, or am I? And then you start doing your whole psychic thing. Fucking, like, you do yeah, the metal gymnastics the trying to figure out. Like, Actually, maybe I am a psychic and maybe someone's watching me. Gotcha. But they're already upon uh, you because you thought too long about yeah, it. I don't know. Dead. I don't know if Boom. that's how psychics work, Mark. I, I don't know. Is it how they work? I don't, I don't know. know. You tell me. I, I can't tell As you. As aforementioned, I'm not a fucking psychic. We're all clear with it. All right. Sorry. Sorry. But John, whether or not he was a psychic, felt he was being watched. And it turned out his instincts were pretty... Spot on. All right. Trying to seem calm, John told his son that they should head back before it got dark. JJ, perhaps privy to the same sense of foreboding, father-son psychic dance, it's great, <laughs> perfect, nice. readily agreed. As the pair made their way back to the game trail, they were both startled to hear the sounds of heavy footfalls off to their left. Oh, get that 357 ready, buddy. John and JJ stopped to listen, and the footsteps stopped too. 
Then they continued walking and the heavy footsteps would start again, growing ever closer. As the mouth of the trail beckoned with the promise of open fields brightened by the final dusky rays of sunlight, John leaned over and urgently whispered into his son's ear, run like hell to the house on the count of three. Oh, man, if your dad tells you that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that is no, no fun. We're going to stand our ground. First of all, this is America. And all second right, of all, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. father, run I... in the face of an enemy. Yeah. Never. You know, my dad, he would never say run. No, no. No, you, you, Mark, be, go get it. You'd be yeah. standing dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is your task of manhood. This is where we die. So be it. Fight the unknown. <laughs> Fight the <laughs> unknown. <laughs> That'll be your second autobiography. <laughs> Fight, Fight the, the unknown. Mark's Mark's story. The Mark Fight story. The Mark story. Oh, uh, can the audiobook be read by uh, Sam Elliott? Of course. Like Mark Storrs. At least he'll read your dad. 1988. Like, it'd be great. All the parts of your dad are read by Mark Storrs. Every yeah. every part else read by Urkel. <laughs> Urkel? I don't know. I was trying to come yeah, up with the worst Urkel. name in, or not name, but worst voice could in be television the, history. Okay, all right, well, best of worst, I got you. Or it could be like Sam Elliott and Charlie Day. Oh, my God. People have said, you know. That's kind of brilliant. Yeah, there you go. Just to get those hey, two Dad. in a room. I can't do, see, I can't do oh a fucking God. Charlie Day. Dude, that was people, horrible. People just say your normal voice sounds like him, so you don't I have know, to try yeah, to yeah, sound I don't even know why I try You look yeah. I love Charlie yeah. I've actually watched, I'm, I've obviously, I love fucking Always Sending Philadelphia. Of course. Philadelphia, but I've watched it trying to pick up, like, do I really fucking sound and talk like Charlie Day? I, I don't know. I maybe. I sort of do. I, you know, I, I don't get the David Schwimmer thing for me. I'm fine with it, but I'm like. Dude, sometimes I close my eyes and I'm like, man, he's like, like he's right in the room with me. Oh, David wow. Schwimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> Dick Farm. I was closing my eyes when I said that. Fuck. <laughs> no, everyone do it right now. Close your eyes. Yeah, listen right. to Rob. Oh, there's oh, right. Rob. David Picture David Schwimmer's face. Oh, yeah. We're still the hair on the back of John's <laughs> neck, Rachel. <laughs> All right. Fuck. <laughs> JJ nodded nervously. Then, before his son could overthink the situation and scare himself into immobility, John hissed, one, two, three and shoved oh, his son in the back to get him moving. Seeing his son sprint toward the dwindling daylight, John drew his revolver, spun around, and dashed off the trail in the opposite direction, heading directly toward the jarring footsteps. Dude, he's making an attack pattern. Don't go save off the, the kid, don't go off the trail. The beast. No, save the kid, fight, the, shoot the beast. But I gotta agree with Chris here. If American Werewolf in London taught us nothing, Stay on the fuck sucking trail. The, I, I get the guy's idea though, because you're you're like, here's the deal: you send the kid forward quick. You're like, dude, go now, run, and then you're after the beast, so you know that the beast is gonna be tied up with you, and your kid's gonna be safe. That's the assumption. This is dad. You're, math. That's assuming dad math. It's what you, when you're a dad, you gotta make these decisions. Maybe he wants the kid because it's the easy prey. Maybe so. Once the kid gets away, he's gonna be after the kid and say, "Fuck well, the dad." But he's he. But this guy's charging it right now. He's trying to. Okay. Okay. Well, we haven't got that far, but yeah, he's trying to. He's trying to. Or he's is going. he? I don't know. You tell me. Is, oh, that, no. is, that, how, <laughs> is that how trying works? I don't know. <laughs> we, we, yeah. what's, the, what's the next step in the Chris, dad word problem Chris here? just got us caught in Sam Harris math. So mm. there you go. <laughs> Define trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I Let's have a two-hour conversation about the, the meaning of truth. How about that? Perfect. All right. With the pliable limbs whipping against his cheeks and his boots catching the ferns and prickly underbrush, John had a tough time making headway. But he knew that, even as it rushed away from him, he was catching up to his quarry and heading deeper into the darkened woods. So far, okay. so fucking good. Right. Suddenly, the sounds before him came to an abrupt halt. John paused, gripping his handgun and straining to see through the deep brush that surrounded him. He caught a flash of movement through the leaves, like somebody trying to hide in the foliage less than 15 feet away. 
Sick of playing cat and mouse and worried about the safety of his family, John leveled his high-caliber revolver at the obscured figure and growled, Come out nice and slow, or I swear to God I'll come back there and shoot you. That sounds about right. There was no response. The standoff was as tense as it was silent. Then, without warning, a dark, fur-covered figure began moving through the bracken on all fours. At first, John thought it had to be a bear, but he was astonished when he saw a massive, hairy arm, complete with a human-like hand, reach about five feet up from the brush and clutch a small alder tree. The alder tree. This, this thing's right. like on all fours crawling? It's, it was crawling, it's running on all fours, and then he sees this big, hair-covered, loofer-igno arm reach up about five feet, oh, wow. grab the alder all tree. All right. Okay. According to John, what happened next was so fast it was almost a blur. As soon as it seized the young tree, the thing pulled itself upright, revealing not a bear, but an enormous humanoid-ape hybrid that stood on two legs and loomed well over seven feet tall, and was at least four feet wide across its heavily muscled, hair-smothered chest. Yeah, it's a big bastard Four feet wide? That's fucking big. Seven feet tall, four feet wide. Why what? No, I just said that's wide. Oh, I thought you said why. I'm like, yeah, um, why? Because it is. I, I don't know. Chris is getting deep this episode. No, I mean, that, you know what it is? It's totally like the drawing of Marvel Sasquatch, like the Alpha Flight character right, that we referenced, I don't know how many times. Stupid wide. Just yeah. stupid broad. Yeah. Or or even uh, like it, it, the it, thing, Ben Grimm. Or the Hulk, yeah, for that matter. Right. Like all wide, the super right. muscled. It's boxy. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, are as broad as they are tall, practically. The creature swiveled at the hips in order to glare down at its human pursuer. Although it was too dark to make out any detailed facial features, John claimed that its scowling eyes seemed to glow a deep red, and he could see rows of blocky teeth when it curled back its lips in a decidedly aggressive grimace. Oh, this fucker snarling at him, see? Mm-hmm. That's how you get shot in the woods, man. Every time. That's how it happens. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, you toss up a snarl, you're getting all shitty, guess what? 357 to the face. That's what happens. That's math. That's what happens. Woods math. Whoa! Dead wow. math, woods math. Yeah, what else next? Chris has math too. Chris I has Sam know. Harris math. You're we ma- actually, no. earlier, we all lost a math competition at Burger King trying to figure out the price of fucking cheese. Of fucking cheese. Yeah. Extra cheese. Well, they, Thank God they don't Chris tell figured you that. it out. They don't tell you that. I didn't realize how many slices of the cheese they were dealing with. It was yeah. 60 cents a but slice. But they were like throwing cheese willy nilly. Yeah, if 60 cents a slice, and we, we got how many? You guys got two, four, and then I, so we had five, five yeah. and six cents a pop. Yeah, three this bucks. expensive. It was confusing. Yeah. But you know what? Thanks to our Patreon listeners, we got a meal before yeah, the podcast. Thanks, Patreon, guys. <laughs> Kryptonautpodcast.com or Patreon.com slash Kryptonautpodcast. You guys bought us some burgers. Thank you all yeah, very much. Yeah, our fucking cheese arithmetic might have been sloppy, it's but okay. our appreciation is acute. Exactly. Thank you. Cheese. Back to the story at hand. John swore that he was so terrified by the ungodly sight before him that he forgot he was armed, which, considering the size and proximity of the creature, may well have been a blessing in disguise for the nomadic logger, who may well not have lived long enough to shoot twice. And that's true. If you hit something big and you don't hit it in the most vital of spots, even with a three fifty seven, I imagine, if you just wing it, it's delta well, yeah, well, it seems like in movies, like things are like impervious when it hits non-vital spots. Yeah, like it just hits like in the arm. I mean, and regardless, it's, like, hey, it's, it's going to be lead pushing into tissues. No matter and how, fifteen no matter feet how... away doesn't seem far, but when you're nervous and you've been running, but and you're at, in the at dark seven, woods. Seven foot, four feet wide. That thing's head is a perfect target. Agreed. Just saying. Agreed. Not that I'm, you know. I just suggested it may well, have been a blessing. I'm not saying to shoot it yet. 
I mean, 1960 whatever <laughs> yeah, could have been the glorious year Dude, you shot that ago. John killed the, the cow man and we all knew Bigfoot was real. Could've Obviously, done. that did not become a historical precedent. He forgot he had a gun. Okay. Okay. The two very different types of hominids stared at one another for a scant few seconds that must have felt like an eternity before the ape man roared and snapped the trunk of the four-inch diameter tree with remarkable force, shredding the raw lumber with a thunderous crack. Yeah, see, now things are going south. Snap, bam, yeah, it's good. on. The creature then lunged down on all fours. Another unique yeah, attribute of this thing. Is that common for Sasquatch not down on all fours? really. No. I mean, it's been seen, but it's not, I wouldn't say common. Lunged down on all fours and vanished into the deep brush with alarming alacrity, creating a racket that John would later describe as a bulldozer with no engine ripping through the forest. John stood there in shock, unable to believe what he had just seen. Then, suddenly, his ears pricked and he was wrenched out of his stupefaction when he realized the bushy being had shifted direction and was now heading back toward the house where his wife and son were, and, even more troubling, in a direction that would almost certainly intercept J.J. before he could reach the relative safety of the house. See, I knew it. I told you. All right, all right. Fucking told you. No, I mean, Mark called it first. Like, the dad math was, Yeah. I'm going to challenge the beast. And at first, it seemed like he drove it deeper into the old... I knew it was going to be a mistake. woods. But then, as Chris suggested, a canny predator flipped okay. the script. Fuck. You know, you got a gun. You might have to use it. That's true. Wasting no time, John turned and sprinted directly back to the game path, praying that he would be able to cut off this furry fiend and put it down before it could seize or possibly even kill his namesake. The faster he ran, the more thrashing John heard coming from the brush beside him. They were neck and neck in a race with his son's life in the balance. Heart pounding and lungs burning, John burst out of the woods and into the tiny clearing wedged between the forest and the fence. The established small strip of grass. Right, right. He frantically swiveled his head back and forth, hoping to catch a glimpse of his eldest son. He finally spied J.J. standing by the fence near the same breach where they had passed just moments before, waiting for his father. Panicked, John shrieked for his son to keep fucking running. Oh, man. Well, this yeah. Is he was not this supposed is, to wait. No. He was supposed to run home. Well, yeah, that was the, the command in the woods. Nervous. The kid's nervous about his dad because his dad's like, you got to run. And he's like, shit, there's a thing out here with him. So he's just waiting to make sure his dad's all right. Yeah, once he was out in the clearing I was that kid on the once. other side of the fence. I was that kid worried about my dad. Just believed in your dad. Yeah. Thought, my dad's big. He's got a gun. Yeah. He'll make everything safe. There you go. Doesn't always work. Doesn't. No. You just, you got a book. You got a book. Or die together, one of the two. Book or die together. <laughs> book or die together. Mark Storrs. That's inspirational quotes. Oh, my God. There's tons of them uh, now. Worst inspirational quotes. <laughs> <laughs> book or die together. I know. What the fuck, man? The terrified boy <laughs> complied. And that's when John saw the hair-covered horror hurtle out of the dark wood about 50 feet to his left. In no time, the thing abandoned its quadrupedal scurrying stance and was on its feet, crossing the 10-foot clearing and scrambling over the fence in just two impossibly long strides. Something that big, though, thing can run like a bastard, probably. Oh, yeah. Ice water shot through John's veins as he knew with aching certainty that there was no possible way he could get to his son before the angry abomination would. John stared in impotent horror as, in a matter of mere seconds, the cowman ran through the field parallel to his son, then suddenly darted right, making a beeline for the middle school student. So dad's running, yeah, but 
the sun's further ahead, right. and this fucking big old Bigfoot is suddenly hooking right in the direction of the sun and going faster than either of them. They're not that good. Is, is it on two legs now or four? It's on two it's legs on, now. It is. Okay. It was yeah. on four. Once it left two. the fence, it became bipedal. Right. So obviously mm. it can, you know, employ both. John screamed for his son to keep running until his vocal cords were run ragged. Then he raised his gun and took aim at the melodious monstrosity. But before he could pull the trigger, the thing ducked down and ran between John and his sprinting son, growing closer to him with every massive step. John vaulted over the fence. He desperately wanted to take this filthy fiend down before it got to his son, but he was afraid that if he missed, he might hit his house or worse yet, his firstborn. So the thing is right in the line of fire. So yeah. there's the house. You can't take the, the shot, gate, man. You can't do the it. The sun, no. the squatch, the field, and the dad. Dude, take a shot. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Kids there can't do it. You just said die together. Well, yeah, but don't, 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 don't mist your kid. Well, no, you don't, yeah, you don't want to mist it. Yeah, you don't want to pull that. Up, really, that's a bitch. Mist. No, like, then you kill yourself, and that is over. Shoot, mercy, kill your kid and your new girlfriend. Yeah. And the old dude. That's the way. Only five minutes later to find out it's well in hand. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to Yeah, do you wake you, the you, worst. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, that's a spoiler alert that never happened. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good movie, but it the is, it's gonna fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna fucking ruin your life. Like, so. it, it pretty much ruined the movie for me. Yeah, basically. Even though I know it's authentic. I, it was terrible. It was like the worst ending ever. It was pretty shit. For a movie. So he does not want to miss his son. It's good. <laughs> Missed it. No matter how hard he pushed his adrenaline-fueled body, John could not gain any ground on the rapid creature, and to his dismay, he realized that there was no way his boy would make it to the safety of the yard gate before it cut him off. In an act of sheer desperation, John pointed the gun toward the ground and fired as he ran, hoping to scare the rancid man-thing away. But, to his chagrin, it veered even more sharply toward his son and put on an enormous burst of speed. John watched in slow-motion terror as the snarling manimal dipped its shoulder down and rammed into his boy like a fleshy freight train. Oh, shit, it okay. got to him. Oh, he body-checked. Body-checked. He, body he did yeah. Mark on July 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just fucking no, terrifying. Yeah, that's not good. So he right. fucking, he's pulling a straight Walter Payton, breaking yeah, through really the line. crushing the kid. Walter Jesus. Payton. I mean, the size of this thing, man, if it hits yes. a little fucking kid, you're going to send that kid flying. We'll see. Well, you might be on to something. Oh, all right, here we go. Foreshadowing, sorry. Upon impact, JJ immediately became airborne, soaring nearly 10 feet before crashing to the ground and rolling to a stop. John screamed and stared at his immobile boy, fearing the worst. Oh, man, that kid got rocked. He probably doesn't have a non-broken bone in his body. No, that's going to fucking hurt, man, 10 feet. After devastating JJ, the cowman didn't pause to inspect his apparent prey, but with incredible speed, made a loop back toward John and the woods. So now he's like, I got the boy. Fuck you, dad. He's knocked, he's knocked the kid over. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking dick. As soon as the line of fire was clear of his son and home, John stopped, aimed his three fifty seven, and squeezed off the remaining five rounds at the loping beast. So here you are. As soon as he's not like, right, going to shoot through his right. kitchen window and cripple his wife or right. blow his son's head off, All he's right. doing this. Though a competent marksman, with the adrenaline and exhaustion impeding his aim, John had little doubt that all of his shots went wild, as the creature never made a sound or even slowed down. 
Within seconds, it was back over the fence and into the woods. So you left the five rounds off, but you were so fucking freaked out you didn't even hit it. He's probably a shame. Un- understandable. I mean, he doesn't know his son may have been crushed yeah, that's yeah, the deal. by the, the greatest up. linebacker in Sasquatch history. Yeah, really. Shit, the fridge. The only linebacker <laughs> yeah. Sasquatch yeah. in Only one known today. There you go. Oh, if the Seattle Seahawks could shave a Sasquatch... It would be a legend. They love that guy in the Pacific Northwest. John turned and dashed directly for his slumped son. To his eternal gratitude, he found that J.J. was bruised and shaken up, but suffered no extensive injuries. Having been sideswiped by the creature, the perplexed kid asked his dad if he had been attacked by a bear, because all he had seen was a huge black creature barreling down on him. As his son was already frightened enough, John didn't bother to correct him. He pulled the boy to his feet and half carried him through the gate into their side yard. It's likely that the short stretch to the front porch felt like the longest run of John's life. But they made it without incident and John slammed the door shut and locked it. Both John and JJ were out of breath and white as sheets. John's terrified wife gripped Tim tightly and shouted at her husband, demanding to know what the gunshots were for and if they were all right understandable well yeah if i was the mom i'd be freaking the fuck out they come in terrified panting you right. heard six gunshots it's terrifying i was, trying to squat, I was a sasquatch linebacker man it's every every, every sunday you that's what know. happens yeah any given washington any sunday given washington. through wheezing breaths he told her to make sure the back door was locked he was going to call the sheriff John went to the phone and began to dial the sheriff's office, but he stopped mid-dial and began to wonder what exactly it was he was going to say. He hung up the phone, realizing what an idiot he would sound like if he told the sheriff that a nearly eight-foot-tall man-monster had chased them out of the woods and attacked his son, a son who still thought it was a bear. Trying not to alarm her, John told his wife that they'd been pursued by a large animal, possibly a bear. He didn't know how to begin to tell her that their four-year-old son was right. His cowman was real, and it was more frightening than anything she could have imagined. Oh, and that is the end of part one. Part uno. The so first have... harrowing encounter with the Copopolis cowman. So we have our first encounter here, which is pretty interesting, and... I mean, again, speaking strictly on, you know, uh, instances with Sasquatch or whatever, it's kind of rare, really, is it? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you as a cryptozoologist, is it rare that they just go after people? It is not as rare as you think. Oh, really? I know we, uh, we killer Bigfoot talked episode, about the Killer yeah. Bigfoot yeah. In, in that episode, and that expressed my own personal fears and, and, and uh, illustrated some cases where right. they did some uh, magnificently malicious shit. But by and large... Uh, a lot of people, even if they're not outright attacked or smashed to the ground, like in like that one douche in the touch football game that just has to fucking plow you over. Run sure. Kids over. Fucking, there, there's still a lot of like ominous feelings that these eyewitnesses have. Like they run towards their family if they're separated, the fathers do, to try to protect them, that these things are glaring at them. I mean, they're wild animals, but if they're wild animals that happen to have even proto-human level intelligences, like, right. like our earliest, not even our earliest, like some mid-level human ancestors, mm-hmm. then that makes for a truly dangerous combination. I do not, and I and I never will subscribe to the Harry and the Hendersons theory. I think these creatures have every potential to be dangerous. Some probably just want to be left the fuck alone. Right. That's fine. Sure. Some maybe even have a natural, especially the younger ones, a natural curiosity for the human race, but they're probably taught 
if they can be taught and maybe even instinctively know from their parents and their community to stay away from us because human beings are inherently dangerous too. Yeah. But for the most part, I think it would be foolish to assume that they are benign uh, at best and at worst, or, or I mean, I guess at very best, I should say, have a genuine affection for us. Right. I don't think that's the case by and large. I think it, generally a mountain lion doesn't want to fucking kill you. It doesn't hate you. It doesn't hate the way you no, look. It doesn't you hate your you know. Facebook feed, but it will fucking destroy you they're if wild, you get yeah. near its cubs they're or wild, yeah. its food yeah. sources. Yeah. And, and I would think that's the best way to look at a Sasquatch. They might not have malicious intent, but they're essentially wild and probably highly intelligent animals. So you've got to avoid that shit. So that's the long no. answer. The short answer is there are many more violent Bigfoot encounters than is uh, popularly known. People really yeah. want the gentle giant thing to catch on. They love that idea. And I'm not saying there's never been examples of it, but that is not by and large the standard uh, interaction with a, with a Sasquatch. All right, so this is the story that we're taking care of here is violent Sasquatch. So, you know, like I say, this is only our second attempt at two-parter, and obviously we're going to break down it in its fulsomeness at the end of the totally. part two. Fulsome. But so far, what the fuck? I mean, this feels it's like... an encounter. When I was, when I was um, rewriting this, and we were, we were going to find out that it, the, the actual person that related this story is the son of the Aberdeen Mill owner. And he heard about this for years. He heard about um, <coughs> rumors of something really terrible happening to one of his dad's employees And uh, since he was a boy, but they didn't tell him when he was a kid because they didn't think he could really handle it and didn't want to you know, terrify him. Right. So, uh, so it got handed down years after the fact by, by, uh, by this guy. And, uh, and when you read it, I mean, I mean, there's obviously that potential of, you know, is it, is it true, is it not? But if it is true, it reads like a screenplay. It does, yeah, totally. Yeah, it completely does. And, and that, to me, is what I guess fascinating, because as I was taking the words that were written down as a secondhand memory, really, um, all I could think is that you would paste this exactly like a movie scene. That chase through the woods. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I say, it took me a minute to kind of wrap my head around. There's like so many goddamn fences, pastures, another pasture of woods. So I, that's why I tried to break it down for, for us and our audience um, because I had to spend a lot of time sort of figuring it in my head. But if you block it out and make that into a scene in the movie like fucking Hitchcock Jr. could do this. Like it wouldn't, it would, basically it would not take a master of suspense to make that suspenseful. It's so intrinsically tension-filled. No. Yeah, no, it's like a classic chase yeah. scene really yeah yeah all right well with child endangerment with, with child which always sweetens the deal yeah and uh you know and the dude making the choice not to take the shot which is always a good choice well when shot. your son might be in the line take of fire the and then yeah. your wife and it. younger son at a distance because i mean i don't know how many times it's happened but a, a random gunshot through a house has got to have killed more people than i care to imagine oh yeah no i'm sure that's definitely a thing so, so good for him being yeah. a smart gun owner who that cared about his family's welfare but then he was popping off like fucking Dillinger as soon as that motherfucker was out of the way Five of shots, his family. Dude. Five shots. All right, cool. So there you have it. That is, uh, that is the uh, part one Uh-oh. of the Copalis Cowman. Be sure to come back next week for part two. As always, be sure to find us in the social medias, the Instas, the Twitters, the Facebooks. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon campaign that you can check out. It's patreon.com slash Podcast for $1. You get a thank you, and for $5, you get a thank you, and you get bonus audio content. Holy crap. Two to three, or more, maybe someday, but at least two. Totally. Uh, Be sure to check out RT Public Shop for merch and whatnot. It's all there. 
Uh, also, to our Facebook fan group, you should check that out. The link will be in the description of this podcast. It's super cool. People are new. People are coming every day. People are posting a bunch of fun stuff. Uh, keep those memes coming because they are goddamn hilarious. <laughs> Thank you all so very much, and talking to you soon. And to uh, not, not not to like you know drive it home too much, but in in terms of the extra pods you get. They're a wee bit saucy, even for us. Oh, they are a bit saucy. Like you're, yeah. you're, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get a little touch of the extra spicy, the ca- the caliente version the, the of the El Caliente, El Caliente Kryptonite <laughs> uh, podcast. That's a great Patreon pitch, Robert. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. See you later, fuckers. Bye.